on a very irregular basis. I am the worst attender. Um, but we do tithe here, so you know you may be, you might attend more. If but if you don't tithe like we do, then I trump you. Okay. <laughs> um, great to be with you again this morning, and uh, to jump in on your series um, is exciting for me uh, because it enables me to speak on other things other than mission, and uh, so I, I'm pleased that I, I am here to be able to chat to you about this morning, which is friendships and relationships with other people. Now, before we begin, are you comfortable with who you're sitting with as I'm speaking about relationships with others? If there's been any fallouts this morning or anything, maybe you want to just maybe, yeah, you want to move? Okay, that's fine. Okay, good. My mom, when she gives me a phone call, sometimes she can be in a crisis when someone has just asked her to be a friend. A very innocent request, can I be your friend? But suddenly this puts my mother in a massive spin. And I think you know what I'm talking about, is that every single day of our lives, if you're on social media, you may, you may have been abandoned, you may be a hermit. And you may be saying, I'm not going to do social media, and well, you know, very, very holy. But uh, those of us who are connected to Facebook, every single day of our life, perhaps we'll get somebody uh, saying, can I be your friend? And when you multiply that right around the world, it's just amazing that the whole world seems to have more friends than ever before. I mean, if you went home today and checked your Facebook account to see how many friends you have, you'll be more encouraged than your face is looking right now. Amen? Yeah? So maybe you should just go and try and do that. But actually, we live in a world that although it says that we have more friends than ever before, actually, we can be the most disconnected, and maybe the world is the most disconnected than it has ever been. There was a man all alone, he had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I working? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? You can have everything in the world, but connecting with people and your friendships and your relationships are crucial and become one of the spokes of our lives and in this series, we see that it's a foundational principle of our life. A Roman emperor, um, years and years ago, a Roman emperor decided that he was going to try and find out what the original language of humankind would be. Was it going to be Hebrew, Greek, or Latin? And so he arranged for a whole bunch of infant children to be put into a room and the instruction to the nurses was that the nurses were not to speak one word. These children were not going to hear a voice, a human voice, at any occasion within that room. The nurses were to speak no language, language whatsoever. This experiment actually ended up in, in just a, a tragedy as each one of those children died. A lamentable result of a bizarre experiment of trying to find knowledge that, is, that just 
went, went down the pan. And the emperor never learned the original language of humankind. But what they did discover was that people cannot survive without relationships. And you need people around you. In fact, all the challenges of your life, throughout your life, will be connected to people. And I know that I'm talking to people today who may be struggling with some friendship issues, or you may have lost people within your life. And we're going to look at all of those um, during my talk. But I, in, the, in, the, in the start of this message, I want you to understand that we've been worshipping a God today who is in relationship with himself. Godhead, three in one. In fact, let's, you, let me read this to you. I will re- Jesus said, I will remain in the world no longer, but they... His disciples are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, so protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. It's the prayer of Jesus that you and I will copy the Trinity, the Godhead, here on earth. In our Western culture, our experience of our, our, our Christianity can be very, very different to those. I've just come back from Asia, and in Asia, uh, the, the church there are very much community-based. They, they, they work through their issues. Uh, the, the will and purpose of God for their lives is never discovered individually. It's always discovered in community. We live in a, in a Western culture where individualism is very much high on the agenda of our life. Why are so many people individualists? There are three reasons. Ego, time, and ignorance. Ego, ignorance, and time. Ego saying, I don't need your help. I can do it on my own. I don't need any interference. I can run my own life. I wonder what it's going to take to actually allow people to get near into our lives and to engage with us. Ignorance being um, not having relational skills, not being able to speak to one another, not being able to hold a conversation, um, and so on. And time, where other people are never convenient, and you're so so busy with uh, the many things in your life that you just don't have... The, the energy and the time to put into any kind of friendship. Those are the, the, the three major reasons why we don't engage into uh, relationship. And yet Charles Swindle says this words: Since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, super-capable, all-powerful hotshot, let's quit acting like we are. Life's lonely enough without playing that silly role. The game is over. Let's link up. You may be okay at the beginning, just you and you. And it may be less complicated if you just do your life your way. But there will come a cry at some point in your life. A cry that will say, why don't people help me? A cry that says, why doesn't people understand me? But friendships must be worked on before the crisis occurs. Paul says, a man reaps what he sows. And whatever you are sowing in your life today regarding relationships is what you will reap 
later on in the crisis. I want to, to move us uh, straightforward into the passage that I want to, to take today, which is in 1 Samuel chapter 20. And I wonder if, you, if you've got your Bibles, just to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 20. And I want to focus on the life of Jonathan and David. Jonathan and David are the example um, relationship, friendship that we have certainly there in the Old Testament, if not in the whole uh, of the Bible. And we're going to look, at, in this chapter 20, we have reached a critical stage of their relationship. Let me tell you where, where we are, and then we'll jump in on it. It's that David is absolutely convinced that Jonathan's father, Saul, is going to kill him. Jonathan is not convinced. Jonathan still thinks that David's life's going to be okay. And so there's an agreement that Jonathan will simply go and find out from his father and to see the attitude of his father, to see whether his father's indeed going to kill his best friend. And then they will um, make a decision accordingly. Let's look at 1 Samuel and chapter 20. And um, I want us, uh, yeah, we're going to read a few verses. and We won't read the whole chapter, but a few verses. First one, then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to take my life? Never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without confiding in me. Why should he hide this from me? It's not so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. And Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So David said, look, tomorrow is the new moon festival and I am supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. And if your father misses me at all, tell him. And David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. If he says very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Never, Jonathan said. If I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? David asked, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said, let's go out into the field. So they went there together. We'll pick that up in a moment. I want to suggest to you three things of what are essential to have in your life in order for you to be in relationship, healthy relationship with other people. And the, f the first thing is from the verses that we've read. The first thing that we need to have within our life is availability to other people. You just need to create the availability in your life for others, the, the friends that are around you. Jonathan said to David in verse 4, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. 
what a wonderful thing it is to be able to come alongside somebody else. Can you remember stepping into somebody else's pain to leave your own road of victory and to walk into a road marked with suffering and to say to your friend, friend, I'm not just going to pray with you when I'm home. I'm not just going to say to you, I'm going to think about you. I'm going to say to you, I am with you in this. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Can you remember hearing that? You may say, well, I've never heard something like that. But have you said that to somebody? That's availability that God wants from your life for others. Helen Keller, the deaf-blind, the first woman deaf-blind who got a degree, author, speaker. My friends, she said, have made the story of my life. In a thousand ways, they have turned my limitations into beautiful privileges and enabled me to walk serene and happy in the shadows cast by my deprivation. It wasn't herself, but it was her friends that formed the story of her life. You cannot do your life on your own. You cannot reach your potential and what God has for your life on your own. It is impossible. And you need the availability of a friend. And indeed, you need to be available to somebody else to say, I'm there for you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. It's not what you think you can do, but it is knowing what is to be done that will prove your friendship. It's not you coming alongside somebody and saying, this is what I can do. It's going alongside your, your friend and, and, and another person and saying, what needs are there to be done? And then saying, I'm available. Jonathan said, came to, came to David and he said, David, I want to ask you something. A part of the availability of your life is to simply go to somebody else and ask them, what do you want? The second area of, of, of availability is the commitment to the person. A commitment that goes far more beyond advice. Commitment is more encouraging than advice. And Jonathan came to David and said, I will do it for you. I'm committing myself to do what you need me to do. And the third aspect of availability, so it's asking, it's commitment, and then it's taking the risk. Because availability has to be unconditional. And, and Jonathan said to David, whatever it is, David, I'll take the risk. Because you might ask me something. You might present me with a need that's just impossible for me. But I'll take the risk. Whatever it is, just name it. Asking, being committed to it, and taking a risk is what relationships need in the area of your availability. But if you're going to remain self-centered, then you will not have any of those things 
And your friendships will be based around your social time, your voluntary time, and it will try and fit into your own personal life. You'll have no time for friendships. You'll have no time for investment. You've got to make yourself available for others. Availability is key. But also, secondly, for relationships to really work, you need to have and you need to be the promoter of that person in the relationship. Let's go back to the Bible. In verse 12, Jonathan said to David, By the Lord, the God of Israel, I will surely sound out my father by this time the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father is inclined to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away safely, may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father, but show me unfailing kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. And so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. Here comes the promoter. The promoter is the encourager of your position in the life where you are right now. For you to advance and for you to move into the next season of your life, God will take a promoter that will come alongside you to open the way, to open the door, to speak well of you in order for you to move forward. We need people alongside us who will not just speak well of us to our faces. Oh, Paul, I really like you. You're such a nice man. I like to have those people around me. But far more important for my life are people who will say, Paul is a really nice man. You don't listen to the rumors because I think he's all right. I need people who will speak about me to other people when I'm not listening. I, I, I need people to go before God and to be the promoter of my life before God. It's called intercession. I, I need people to really believe in me that they're actually outside of our relationship time. They're speaking well of my life. They're my promoter. But you see also, and we're gonna, we will reach there uh, in our reading, but in verse 32, in verse 32, why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. You see, we need people who will stand in the face of people who are not for you. And Jonathan said, David, I'm going to be promoting you. And even if I have to stand before my father, who you say is against you, I will stand in the face of your enemy and promote you. 
What a great friend that is. What a strength you can be for somebody else. Can you see why relationships is a spoke? Can you see why it's so important? If you have, the, if you have that person in your life, they're worth gold, my friends. And if you are that person, it's the most valuable thing that you can be. Being a promoter. You see, in the verses that we read, in verse 14 and 15, we find that Jonathan believes in David. So much so that Jonathan was David's champion. A champion thrives on that person's accomplishment and their happiness. If they're doing well, the champion of that person is doing well and is cheering like there's no tomorrow. A champion is a promoter and also a companion. Jonathan was David's companion. Someone who can sense where you are headed before you know it yourself. They go in that direction. A champion, a companion, and a connector. A connecting promoter is someone who builds bridges to help you get where you want to go. They're cheering you on. They're a companion so that they know where you're going. But they're a connector. They will connect you with other people, connect you into situations to enable you to move forward in this life. I know somebody you need to speak to. Come, let me connect you. What you need to do, you need to go to that place. You need some help. I'm going to come with you. I know that person who works there. I'll connect you. The promoter of your life, in those verses that we read, is in a contract with you. The Bible calls it a covenant. A covenant is commitment that is long-lasting, that survives many hurts, many trials, many disappointments. Covenant is not needed if you're going to have a relationship only for when it's sunny. You don't need covenant. Covenant is made for the rainy days. Yeah? And if you're, a, 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 if you're sitting with your husband and wife this morning... You're in, you're in a covenant, and aren't you glad you're in a covenant because you probably have had equally as many rainy days as sunny days, yeah? Shh. Shh. Are you still here? Are you just thinking about it? Are you just looking over it? Covenant is so, so important. For, for There are times in our lives when our, there are friends that will say, I'm only here for the good times. The moment that it goes against, the moment that the tide turns, is the moment that your friends will leave you. And in this room this morning, you will have had many friends who will walk out on you because they were only there out of covenant, not in covenant, but out of covenant. Relations need, need availability. They need the promoter. But also... Then there needs to be a releaser within relationships. Let's look at that. Verse 18 to verse 24. Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon festival. You will be missed because your seat will be empty. 
And the day after tomorrow towards evening, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began and wait by the stone easel. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I was shooting at a target. And then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. And if I say to him, look, the arrows are on this side of you, bring them here, then come. Because as sure as the Lord lives, you are safe. There's no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go. Because the Lord has sent you away. And about the matter you and I discussed, remember the Lord is witness between you and me forever. So David hid in the field. And when the new moon festival came, the king sat down to eat. Let's look at verse 33. Saul hurled his spear at him to kill Jonathan. And Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. And Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. And on that second day of the month, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. And in the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. And he had a small boy with him. And he said to the boy, run and find the arrows I shoot. And as the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen... Jonathan called out after him, Isn't the arrow beyond you? Then he shouted, Hurry, go quickly, don't stop. And the boy picked up the arrow and returned to his master. And the boy knew nothing of all this, only Jonathan and David knew. And Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, Go, carry them back to town. And after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. And then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. And David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. I want to say to you this. The release of your life will not hold you back, but will hide you till the right time. And Jonathan hid David behind the stone easel. It means, stone. the easel means a stone of parting. It was a stone that would prove David's destiny. When the arrow came past, it would tell him which way to go. I know that David would have longed for that arrow to fall short. To tell him that Saul was not after his life. To tell him that him and Jonathan could remain daily in contact and be the friends that they were. But when the arrow went past David, it changed everything for him. That was a stone of destiny. And there is a stone for each one of us. Daniel spoke of a stone that was cut out not by human hands. Peter spoke about a living stone, chosen by God and precious to him. And your releaser of your life will lead you to hide behind the living stone so that you do not become important in your own eyes. We need to hide behind the living stone in this world. And on the third day, we're told, David was hiding behind the, the stone easel. I say on the third day, isn't that not interesting, that David was hiding 
behind the stone. There's another third day when the living stone was placed behind the natural stone and he came from behind the natural stone and secured the victory of your life and my life. When the arrows of God go beyond you, when the releaser of your life shoots the arrows and it goes beyond and, and the circumstances of your life change, then you and I need to accept the will of God. And with heaviness of heart, Jonathan took hold of the arrows. He wanted, in all, everything of this story shows that Jonathan's heart was, my dad will not want to kill you. Jonathan would not have wanted to shoot these arrows long, but he was in the hands of God. He had to fulfill the parting of the ways. And so in the, our imagination, we see these two friends caught up in the emotion of this theater scenario. But actually, what was being played out was our friendship had to part. The circumstances of life have come and we need to separate. It was as if the arrow had not gone past, but the arrow had struck the heart of David. David was now being stripped completely of everything. When you lose your covenant partner, when you lose that loved relationship, when the circumstances of life just turn on you, when the loved one dies, when the loved one walks away, it seems that the whole world has walked away. And David is left on his own. And he was to turn into the desert. But he wasn't alone because he was alone with God. There's one thing is true. That if God allows the circumstances of your life to change and he takes you into a wilderness, then it's he and only he who will bring you out of that wilderness. I'm telling you this, that in your relationships, if you want to sign up for this and say, I want to be available, I want to be a promoter, I want to say to you there is a guarantee in these relationships that there will be tears and separation in your life. It is a done deal. That is relationships. And you may want to say, I can't cope with pain, and so I'm going to hide in the corner and just be on my own. There's a greater pain for not connecting with people. But there will be tears and there will be separation. And the arrows of God may leave a scar in your heart. And even today you may look back on that day, that dreadful day when God just changed the whole world for you. And there was that cut-off point and you had to say goodbye. Maybe at a bedside of someone you loved, the funeral Maybe in the divorce courts. Maybe before all of that. Maybe a close friend who had to go. I want to say this morning, at that day, on that day, you gave way to God's sovereignty over your life. And you understood the price of relationships is the price called separation. It's part of the deal, my friends. And you may not still fully understand why they had to go. You may not fully understand why they was taken so quickly, why it ended so abruptly. 
And you wonder if there's more things you could have done, more things you could have said. You wonder if you could have changed the situation completely around. It was out of your hands and you could not have prevented it if you tried. And yes, you tried. But one thing you found was that Jesus was waiting for you. He was there in the wilderness and he's been with you clearing your pathway and he's leading you forward. And the, the truth is that even though you've been hurt, and even though David had had his whole world changed around, God knew that David still needed relationships. And with this, I close. God did not want David to be alone. He did not want David to do life singularly without any connection with people. God wants his people to be in relationship. And so as David ran away, only a couple of chapters later on, and I'm going to read two verses from it. In chapter 22, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. David is on his own. He's lost his wife. He's lost his home, his job, his place in the royal palace. And more importantly, he's lost his best friend, Jonathan. He's got nobody. The last thing that you need or anybody needs when you are down on your luck and you are in such a mess is for your family to turn up, especially your siblings. And David's brothers come around him and say, oh, it's tough. Hasn't it gone wrong for you? But then David opened his eyes and he began to see that God was bringing people to him. People maybe not of his own choosing. Maybe David would have wanted to have people who, were, who had got their life together. But he found 400 people coming. And the Bible says that they were in distress. They were in debt. And they were discontented. And they wanted to be with David. They wanted to be with David. David in his brokenness. David in his heart realized, I'm born for relationships. I'm born for people. And though I've lost my best friend, God's given me 400 people. And I... There may be all these three D's, but they're not going to be discouraged. And I'm going to bring them to myself. And I'm going to pour myself into them again. And I'm going to do everything that relationships need. God has brought to you people around your life. They may not have been your choosing. But we need to be thankful for who's around us. Say, God, thank you for those people. And I want to give myself to them. The Bible says that David became their leader. He began to embrace and pour into them. And we see David, that's a David who's rising again. We see a David who's not letting his negative situation to take him lower. He's making the most of what he's got. And he begins to look at these people and say, you and me, we can do life together. You and me, we can do relationships together. I've lost everything in relationships, but I found 
what it's all about. It's about being available. It's about being a promoter. And it's about being a releaser. There's going to come a day when we'll have tears and separation. That's the big deal. But right now, today, I embrace you. And I pour my life into you. Let's go again. And this morning, I, I, I just want to stay on that thought. Because the hurt of your life can destabilize you, can disable you from coming into a relationship, a friendship with other people. Can't do it again. It hurt me so much. And you can put up the drawbridge and say, that's it. I'm not going to do it again. You may lose a loved one. And you may be at their deathbed. And in your mind, you're still there. And the hurt still is there in your heart. But God is saying to you that, listen, in His sovereignty, in His sovereignty, He has enabled you to come out of the wilderness and wants you to engage with new people. There are other people that need you. I'm going to ask us to stand right now. I'm going to pray. But I'm going to ask, in my prayer, I'm going to ask, is there a David today? Man, woman. And the arrows of God shot past you. And it broke your heart. And your circumstance changed forever. And you had to trust His sovereignty. And maybe you still haven't got over that. But this morning, you are going to say, Yes, God, I open up my heart again, my life again, for relationship. I'm going to open my, take my life and use me for others. And if you bring 400 distressed, in debt, discontented people, I'll work with them, I'll reach out to them. I'll be who you want me to be with whoever you want me to be. I make myself available. I want to promote people. And I want to even be part of that release that people will become all that they can become. And I want, So I want you to run to the front. I want you to come quickly and the prayer team will, will pray with you, will begin to pray with you. There's people who have carried scars from the arrows of God that went past them on that day. And it changed everything for them. But today you're saying, God, sign me up. I'm going to be a friend. I, I, I'm going to give myself into relationships. Here in, even in this church. Then just step out from your row right now. Come right now. Just come right now. Let's come and deal with that. That's it. Just come quickly. going to begin to pray. Whoever comes, just come right now. God, I pray that we may commit ourselves to deep relationships with others that we will not be afraid of committing our life 
fully into a situation. We'll not hold to superficial, afraid of hurts. And there are people in this room right now, Lord, who've had a scar, an arrow shot past them. It, it, it hit their heart. Today, they're looking and worshipping a healing God, but it's one who's saying, go again. Go into friendships again. Go into people again. Open your home again. Put the kettle on again. Call people. Reach to people. Bring them into your life. And begin to sow into their lives again. Use your people today, Lord. Thank you. Let's pray for people. Let's pray. Let's go. Hands on now. If you're standing here, just lift up your hands. Let's go, let's go. Thank you. And let's worship as people are being prayed for right now. Let's worship.